Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Calvary Spokane. Glad you could be here. Um, I am Drew Johnson. I'm a pastor here at, uh, at Calvary. Uh, Ken is away speaking at a conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. So uh, he is up in Canada. I don't know if that makes him a traitor or not, but we'll embrace him back when he's, when he's here on Sunday again. Um, so this evening, we're going to take a break from uh, the parenting series. My child is only one year old, so I'm not sure how much use I would be uh, to you in that one. Let me tell you how to raise your teenagers. Um, but tonight we're going to be looking at uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, actually, and we're going to read through verse 7. But we're going to, we're going to talk about tonight is the fear of the Lord. So we just sung a song, we're no longer slaves to fear. So how can we have fear of the Lord? But we'll, we'll see, we will explain. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that right now, God, you would speak to your church, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak to your children here, that you would encourage them in the faith, God, that you would build them up in the most holy faith, that you would speak through me, your servant, Lord, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth would be glorifying and exalting to you and beneficial, Lord, for your church. So we just pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. We're going to be focusing on that, that verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we start off wondering the fear of the Lord. We're not supposed to be afraid. We're, we're told over and over again in Scripture to, to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, uh, fear not. We haven't been given a spirit of fear. But it says we're supposed to have the fear of the Lord, so that seems like a contradiction. So we have to look at what is fear exactly? What is fear? Well, there's a few different types of fear, I think. One is the, the base sort of animal or instinctual fear um, when my wife and I were first married, I had the case of the hiccups, and uh, my wife thought, ah, I know what I'll do to get his hiccups away, because uh, she was trying to sleep, and, and I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't sleep, and I'm just sitting there quietly hiccuping to myself, but it wasn't so quiet, because it was keeping her awake. And then I hear this shriek, you know, she's, out of the darkness came a voice that was loud and penetrating and scared me right? Because she thought I'd scare it out of him, right? <laughs> I was so mad at her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Don't you ever do that? She scared herself, actually. She yelled so, she shrieked so loud. Um, it scared the hiccups out of me. But there was this adrenaline that started pumping, and then I couldn't go to sleep, <laughs> right? Because she yelled. She, there's the fear that came in, this base animal instinctual fear that kind of took over. My adrenaline kicked in, 
And then, uh, um, and I was afraid for a moment there. But th these are the types of fears that we, we experience uh, if you're on an airplane and it starts going, getting rocky and you get this, this kind of fear, this anxiety in you. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're going on a walk in the mountains and you hear a loud roar around you, it's this sort of fear that kind of creeps in there. So this instinctual fear that just grips you all of a sudden. But there's also a, a type of anxiety or concern. Maybe uh, you look at your checkbook and you've got a bill and you've got your checkbook and uh, the checkbook's not going to make it. And so you're looking towards the end of the month and you get an anxiety. It's not that right at the moment, uh, that base, that animal fear. It's, it's a concern sort of fear. It's a, it's a type of anxiety. You look forward in the future. You know what things might happen and, you, and, and this anxiety creeps in and starts grasping you different kinds of fear. Another fear is a fear uh, that is a reverence or an awe. It's a, it's a type of fear that my son, who is one, should have for me, but he doesn't have it quite yet. Uh, uh, the type of fear a child ought to have for their father. Even though your father is good, even though he gives you good things, even though he's kind to you, he feeds you, he takes care of you, there ought to be a sort of reverence. There ought to be a sort of awe because uh, you know that if you transgress against your father that there will be consequences. You know that if you do that, there will be consequences. It's a type of fear that you should have for your father. It's a type of fear that, uh, a sort of reverence or awe that I think that I sh we should have at work towards our bosses even, uh, a type of fear maybe we should have towards our spouses. I mean, even though I work here at church, if I had no fear towards my boss and I just showed up whenever I wanted, and didn't study for preaching, and, uh, and then I, I missed days here and there. I think my boss, who is a pastor, would pull me into the office, and uh, I, would, I would be in for a lecture. And if I continued in that uh, poor work quality and not showing up for work, I would be fired. <laughs> and so you would hope, right? But, I mean, it's me, right? Come on. Don't you care about me? I need, there needs to be this reverence, this awe for those in authority over us. This reverence and awe for our parents, a reverence or awe for our, our employers, reverence or awe even for our spouses. So what is the fear of the Lord? It says here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It, you can't have a fear for the Lord if you don't have these two things. One, an acknowledgement that God exists. And two, uh, the reality that he rewards those who diligently seek him. This is what faith is about too. But there's some people that have no fear for the Lord. Uh, and the fear for the Lord is supposed to be that reverence, that awe. It's not supposed to be anxiety. It's not supposed to be a base or an animal or an instinctual fear. Our fear for him is supposed to be a reverence. But you can't have a fear for something that you don't believe is there. So first off, we have to acknowledge that, he, that God exists. Note, even the word of God tells us that demons in Satan believe in God. So there are people out there that are a step behind Satan and demons, right? Satan and demons believe in God, but it says that they shudder. Why? Because they don't have a reverence or an awe for him. They have a different sort of fear, a fearful expectation of something to come, a fearful expectation of what the Bible says, the lake of fire, where there is eternal, eternal torment for them day and night. That's the kind of fear that they have, not the fear that we ought to have. So number one, we must acknowledge that God exists, and number two, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. The fear of the Lord 
um, Charles Bridges says, it is that adequate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. His wrath is so bitter and his love is so sweet that hence springs an earnest desire to please him and because of the danger of coming short from his own weakness and, temptation, and temptations, a holy watchfulness and fear that he might not sin against him. So I know that, you know, as a, as a child, when I was in my father's house, that if my dad said to me, do the dishes, and it was summer break, and I had all day long to do the dishes, I knew that if my dad got home and I didn't do the dishes, I should probably get started running, you know. Even though my, my dad's a nice man, he's a humble, he's a gentle man, that there's discipline coming because I didn't do what he asked me to do, because I disobeyed. It's interesting that the Bible says that disobe disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft, the prophet Samuel says. Is that interesting? Do we often think of disobedience towards God as the sin of witchcraft? Do we? So, no, I don't think we do. A little sin here, a little sin there. That's okay. Nope. Do the dishes. Do the dishes. So, should I fear the Lord? I mean, uh, in the Old Testament, it seemed like God was a wrathful God. Um, do, does that still apply today? God, God it, you know, some people say that God in the Old Testament was wrathful. He was angry. He was mean. Uh, so he was a God worth fearing, but, but Jesus, he's a God of love. <laughs> he's a God of love. You do whatever you want. God's cool with it, right? He's just going to love you. Don't worry about it. There's grace. There's so much grace. You could do whatever you want with your life. His grace will just cover it. You're fine. Disobedience is not that bad. <laughs> Should I fear the Lord today? Does it still apply? We should not fear the Lord as an, animal should, as an animal does. We should not fear the Lord as a demon does. Uh, that base, instinctual fear of God. You remember even when angels came, angels came to the shepherds out uh, who were watching their flocks by night, and the angels said to the, and the, the angels showed up, and the shepherds were afraid, but the angels said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good, noise, good news of great joy for all the people. I even think of um, the Apostle John, when he was an old man, he was the apostle whom Jesus loved. See, he identified himself as the apostle whom Jesus loved. He had a really close-knit relationship with the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John, an old man, walked with Jesus for 60-some years. And for serving Jesus and preaching for Jesus, he was exiled on an island and he was worshiping on the Lord's Day. He was in the Spirit. And he heard behind him, it says here, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. This is from Revelation 1, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands, lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. 
His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So we ought not to be, the, be afraid, even though this man John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, comes before him. He sees Jesus. He falls on the ground as though dead, and obviously he was afraid. That's why Jesus had to say, do not be afraid to him. But Jesus comes out and places his hand on him and says, do not be afraid. So at the, at the presence of God, we ought not be afraid, those of us who are in Christ. And we should also not have an anxious or concerned fear of meeting God, because fear has to do with punishment. We ought not to be afraid of the Lord, because we ought to be walking in obedience toward Him. We ought to be walking lives and striving to live lives in the power of the Spirit of God that are pleasing, holy, lives holy in pleasing to Him. Not lives where it's pleasing to men around us. We ought not to, to fear men uh, who can destroy our bodies, but to fear God who can destroy both body and soul. But we ought not to have an anxious or concerned fear of meeting God. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Or 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So we not, ought to be afraid uh, in, our, in our anxiety of meeting God, because fear has to do with punishment. And yet, we should have a type of fear of the Lord, that reverence, that awe-inspiring respect for God that we see in the Old Testament. But it's something also that we see in the New. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira uh, tried to lie to the Holy Spirit and lie to the church by uh, presenting themselves as a generous people. See, Barnabas uh, had Barnabas, whose name means the son of encouragement, had sold some property and had brought it to the church and had given it to the church um, and get, gave all the proceeds. That was just part of who he was. It was an, an outworking of, he was working out his faith in God. But Ananias and Sapphira saw the honor that he was getting and thought to themselves, hey, we want to look generous. We want to look like that. So they sold their property, but they kept some of it for themselves. And then when they presented it to the apostles, they said, this is, this is everything. This is all the money for it. And the Lord struck them dead. And it said in Acts 5.11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Great fear. Ananias and Sapphira were those uh, who were in disobedience and we're awaiting punishment from the Lord, but that ought not be us. We ought to have a respect for the Lord and a reverence for Him. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2. Show proper respect for everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. That's Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. You will say then, branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. That's Romans chapter 11. 
And in Hebrews it says, if we deliberately continue in our sin after we've received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. See, fear has to do with punishment. But for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ, who've received the Spirit of God, the type of fear that we have is an awe and a reverence. We ought not to be living lives uh, that are full of sin. We ought not to be living lives of disobedience to God. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 6, when the Lord uh, Jesus, our Lord, is speaking to the people about their acts of righteousness. He, he tells them about prayer. He tells them about giving. He tells them about fasting. He says, don't do it in front of everybody else to be seen by them, or rather go uh, and do it in secret. And your, your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And so there's a reward for those who earnestly and diligently seek him because our, and our father sees those things even when nobody else sees it because he's our God who's in secret and he sees what's done in secret. But this also ought to bring a, a realization and an understanding that our sin in secret is not a secret to our father in heaven. It's not a secret to him. He sees it. And there's a punishment involved with sin. And the punishment was supposed to be just on Jesus for those of us who believe in him. See, Jesus came as the Lamb of God. He came to take away the sin of the world. Yes, our destiny is heaven. Yes, our destiny is, is eternally secure in him. But he came to take away our sin so for those of us who are in Christ, how can we go on sinning any longer? Because that's what Jesus came to save us from, which was sin. Would we put him up on the cross again? Would we trample the blood of God underfoot? Would we mock our Savior? We ought not. For disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. So what does the fear of the Lord result in? Uh, what does the fear of the Lord result in? Well, uh, we saw that some people have the wrong type of fear. Some people can have a fear of God where there, there's that fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire, the same fear that the, that the demons have, uh, that God is going to punish them, that God is going to come down on them hard. And those types of people we hear in Revelation, they, they are mourned, they are running from the Lord, they're trying to hide uh, they, they want to die during the tribulation period, and yet they still refuse to repent. They acknowledge that the Lord is there even, uh, and they have the wrong type of fear of him, but they, they run and they hide. But that ought not be what we do. When, when faced with the understanding uh, that our sin, even that sin which is in secret, is offensive to God, that sin which he died for, we ought to be like, in, in a greater sense, like when, we were, when I was a child and, and I wouldn't do the dishes and I expected my dad to come home and punish me, we ought to be people who say, you know what, I just need to get up and do the dishes. I just need to, you know what, this thing needs to be thrown off from my life. What is that thing? What is that thing? What's that thing that, that your body, that your mind convinces you and says, oh, you know, this sin, it's not that bad. This sin it's just a little sin. It's okay. You can continue doing it because it doesn't really affect that many people 
Nobody really sees it. Somebody sees it. Somebody sees it. And there are consequences. There was one time I remember also as a child, I, uh, my parents, I used to play baseball. So I played baseball, I played center field. Um, and I played down in Boise. And one time my parents gave me money, which is great as a kid because you don't have a job, right? So they gave me money to go to the batting cages with my team. And I said, cool. And I took the money and I pocketed it. And then I went to go play with my friends. And I skipped batting practice. And I hadn't spent it yet. I, I don't know if I was planning on spending it. Uh, I mostly just didn't want to go to practice. But I took the money, I pocketed it. And I remember when I came home, um, my mom ran into my, some guys from my team that next day and said, hey, how was batting practice? With, Drew was there yesterday. And they're like, no, Drew wasn't there. I was like, thanks. Ratted me out, you know. As a child of God, I can't get away with getting this kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I can't get away with sin. But as a child of God, I couldn't get away with it. So my mom told my dad, right? And then uh, my dad gets home, calls me in uh, to another room, and says, give me the money. So I'm like, okay, it's still in my wallet. I gave it to him. He goes, don't you ever do that again. And my dad's really gentle. I don't know if you've ever met my dad. He's really gentle, really humble, really kind, really loving, uh, incredible servant. He's merciful. He's everything I want to do. And yet at that moment, he was pretty scary right up in my face. Don't you ever do that again. Okay. Okay. And I didn't take any of their money anymore. <laughs> uh, and now I've proven myself as a son uh, over time to be faithful. Uh, and now uh, I help manage or take care of my parents' home, and they've given me a debit card with their name on it, and I have the authority to use that card in that, that, that card in their name when I go around swiping it around, buying things for their house, not for me, right? Because I proved myself faithful. And this is what we ought to be as, as children of God. When, when something in our life, something that the Lord is telling, it, telling you, stop that, stop that, no more, no more of this. The Lord is gentle and he is kind. And he's disciplining us to lead us into an abundant life so that he might give us more to be responsible with. If we haven't been responsible with the little things, how can we expect to be given more things from the Lord? Some of us feel like God is a great calling on our life. Great, he wants to do great things, and yet we're not, we're not willing to give up those little sins that are holding us back, that are holding us down. We're unwilling. And then we wonder, why isn't that great thing that I feel like is in my heart, why isn't God doing that thing? Because you haven't been faithful in the little things. He wants to give you the card. But at this point, if he were to give you the card, you'd be going and spending it on the wrong things. The fear of the Lord ought to result in a repentance, in obedience, an understanding that I was created by God. I am His. My body is His. And especially those of us who have been uh, bought by Jesus Christ and His blood, we realize that my, our bodies belong to Him. Our bank accounts belong to Him. All of our possessions belong to Him. Everything is His. 
a definition of worship. And from Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. A reasonable thing for you to do is to offer your entire bodies, those sins in the secret, to be done away with, to be thrown away. Our reasonable act of worship to our Lord. One thing I want to read for us, though, uh, from Isaiah chapter 11, um, when you think about the fear of the Lord, uh, I think about, you know, what about Jesus? Did Jesus have any of this, like, fear of the Lord we talk about? And this is interesting here. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. It sounds like an oxymoron, or it sounds like something, like a paradox. It sounds like a contradiction. How can you delight in fearing something? But the Lord, when he disciplines us, it is for our good. And, and acts of disobedience are acts that lead to death. Disobedience is a sin of witchcraft. Disobedience, sin, leads to death. And so a man who learns, a person who learns that the fear of the Lord is really the life that God wants to to lead you into, which is an abundant life. This is the life that Jesus wants to lead us into. When he came, he said, I came to give you life and to give you that in abundance. Jesus came and he said, if you knew, speaking of the woman at the well, he said, if you knew who is talking to you right now, you would ask me for water and I would give you water that would quench your thirst and not only quench your thirst, but would be a, a flowing, like a torrent, a, a river that would well up from inside of you. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for the Lord. When we delight in the fear of the Lord, um, then we gain that which God has created us for. God is crea as creator tells us how we ought to live for gaining wisdom and instruction, understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion of the young. The wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, sayings, riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, are you somebody, number one, who fears the Lord? Are you somebody who fears the Lord uh, correctly, giving him a reverence and an awe? Um, are you somebody who fears the Lord incorrectly? If you're not a child of God, if you're living in disobedience or sin towards him, then you have an, there's going to be an anxiety or a concern in you when you hear uh, that the enemies of God uh, and if the, those who do not belong to Jesus Christ uh, have reserved for them uh, eternal punishment and fire. Then the, an anxiety comes, a fear comes, a fear comes upon you. But it does not have to be that way. For the offer to be a child of God is a free gift given to those who ask of him a grace of God, 
not by works that any man may boast, but by faith and grace. To become a child of God means our fear for the Lord becomes a reverence, becomes an awe. He becomes our Father who disciplines us for our good and trains us that we might have an abundant life, that we might learn, like our Lord Jesus, to delight in the fear of the Lord. Because not only is it a delight for you when you fear in the, in the Lord, but it's a delight for those around you because that, that spring of water from well, that wells up inside of you goes, and it goes out to other people around you. And you become a refreshment to other people. You become just and you do what is right and you are fair. People will look at you uh, and wonder, uh, how do you become such a noble person? How do you become a person of such character? How do you become a person of such justice, a person who lives with such compassion and kindness, a person with the fruit of the Spirit on full display, a person who seems to have uh, uh, no hidden agenda, a person who seems to have no skeletons in the closet? How are you like that? Who is this? Uh, and you know that it's the Spirit of God in you, and you can give Him glory for that. And you know it's because, that you, it's because you delight in the fear of the Lord. So, I want us to be a people who don't have, uh, who don't have that anxiety or concern, who don't have a base or an instinctual fear about God. I want us to be a people who have a reverence for the Lord. I want us to acknowledge that he exists, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I want, us to be, uh, I want us to be a people who repent and obey when the Lord speaks to us by his spirit uh, of, the, of the, deep, the deep, secret, dark things that we're unwilling to give up. I, I want us to give those things up because I want us to experience abundant life and delight in the fear of the Lord. This is what I have to share with us tonight. Also, we need to have somebody pick up our kid. Um, but I want to I pray, and I'm going to invite uh, Luke to come back out here. And then we'll get on our way. So, Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you would, you would encourage us as your people, Lord. You would encourage us to have a correct understanding of who you are, that we would have a correct fear of the Lord, Lord. That those things, God, those sins that need to be cleansed from our life, those things that you died for, that we're still clinging on to, that still hold us in slavery, God. I pray, God, that we would lay those things down. We would lay them before you. That we would know, as Romans 6 says, that those of us who have been raised with Christ are no longer slaves, we are no longer slaves to sin, that which tears us down and holds us down in bondage. That Satan who says, you cannot give it up, you'll never give it up, you're not good enough, you'll always be like this, that he is a liar. And we pray, Lord, that you will rebuke him. That, Lord God, you will give us strength and ability, God, to throw away sin and leave it in the dump and go back no more. So I pray, God, that you would, you would encourage and build up your church, Lord. I pray, God, that we would have that fear of the Lord, God, that brings a delight 
as we taste and see that you are good, as we have that abundant life that comes from you, as we know your spirit, God, more and more on an intimate level, God. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that your people, God, your church, would be more and more fruitful, God. That we would have an impact, Lord, on Spokane. That we would be a light, God, in a dark place. That your people would shine brightly. Nothing holding back, God. Because we've been cleansed and purified. We're not waiting in fearful expectation of judgment or fire. We're a people who look forward to seeing you face to face because we've received your grace and your mercy. And we want other people to experience that, God, that goodness, Lord. So, God, we pray, Lord, for your church. We pray for your bride, God. Cleanse us and purify us. Make us like your son, Father. We thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name.